picture this. If you're if you're not driving and you're in your room, close your eyes and pick, just picture the scene with me, okay? You're 16 years old. You're excited to go apply to your first ever job. The job that you're going to go apply for is a is a summer camp counselor job at the YMCA. The YMCA and you're stoked. So you're so excited, actually, that your mom actually goes to the mall and buys you a pair of shoes. She buys you a pair of shoes specifically for this interview because they're like, yeah, you're going to have to run around a little bit. It's going to be a fun, energetic interview. And so you're going to have to run around. So your mom goes get you these shoes. They're the most beautiful shoes you've ever seen. You put them on. You do your interview. You don't get the job. But now you got these really cool shoes. Yeah. Fast forward nine years. You're 24 years old and you still have these shoes. <laughs> this is the story of my life. I have these black Adidas shoes and the soles have disintegrated. They're, they're gone. I pulled them out of the shoe. They're just, it's like dust. Okay. Huh. It's literal dust. You see, you know, my black shoes I'm talking about. You see them all yeah. the time. You have one pair of shoes. Yeah. And the soles are disintegrated. So I'm like, I can't. I can't live with this. So what do I do? I Google the make and model of the shoe. <laughs> I look up soles that are being sold for the shoe and I try and order those soles. But unfortunately, because the shoe was made in like 2014, when I was 16, they no longer make the shoe, which means they no longer make the sole. So I had to go to Amazon and buy $6 soles for shoes. I put them in my shoe and I hate it. And really? so now I don't now I don't have shoes. Like you don't have a second pair? I, I do. You you have those pink you have those pink shoes. You can wear those pink shoes. I have day. those pink shoes. I could just like yeah. Vic, I could be a little dapper. Vic <laughs> You may not know this about Vic, but Vic never wears long pants. Um I have one pair of pants. Primarily because he has a calf tattoo that he must show off to the world at all times. Well, and my calves are incredibly defined. They are. They are. I'm they not going to lie. They, they like, are your best feature. They are your best yes. feature. And so it's just like, I I don't know. The pride in me, the voice in my head tells me to show them off a little bit. What's that uh, What's what's that episode from How I Met Your Mother with Marshall's calves? <laughs> He's got these pants on with the zipper, and he unzips those bad boys. And Lily's just like, oh, my. She's like, stop. stop. I'm telling you, calves are where it's at. Okay, and I got the calves. But calves, um, calves are solely genetic, though. You see what I did there? They're solely <laughs> genetic. Look at that. Dang. Full circle. Look Full at that. circle. Look at that. Um, I share this story <laughs> with the shoes because I'm really upset. Of course. And so I'm going to have to take my shoes that I'm I'm dedicated to this. I'm taking my shoes to, to this like shoemaker in in the city and where I live. Yeah. And I'm going to have them custom make and tailor soles for my shoe, which are probably going to cost more than what the shoes did originally. Yeah. But at this point, I'm just too stubborn to actually go buy new shoes. So this is where I'm at. I do have other shoes. Um, yeah. I just it's a mental thing. I don't have other shoes, just like I have other pants, but I only have one pair of pants that I wear, so I only have one pair of pants. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think you're weird. I just think you're stubborn. Um, Thank you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. That's very true. You're stubborn with amazing calves. I don't think you're weird. (laughs) You're just stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) You're not weird. You're You're just just stubborn. stubborn. And anytime you want to go to an outlet mall and go shopping, hit me up. 
go to go to Tanger Outlets. Yeah, I have. For for those of y'all listening, I have talked to his wife multiple times about wanting to go out. Like she and I will go and buy him a pair of jeans. We'll have we'll make an afternoon of it. Like I I would love nothing more than to buy you a pair of jeans. He just won't do it. I got forced into something. I forget what it was, but I like won a raffle or something. It was like a free shopping spree. And like to go buy pants or something, and I literally did everything in my power. It's to get your out worst of that. nightmare. It's your worst nightmare. It's, it's. I would so much rather sit at home and play Minecraft for three hours than go to the mall, eat a soft pretzel, and buy a pair of jeans. It sounds terrible. You know no one goes to malls anymore anyway. That's true, but yeah. they have soft pretzels. And if I were to go to a mall, it would be solely because I want to buy a soft pretzel. Can we talk about how fire Annie Ann's is for a second? Bro. Can, I we, have, I, can we talk about that? So there's a big debate. Wetzel pretzel, Annie Ann's. Now, Wetz, I'm up, team. Hold up, hold up. Wetzel pretzel? You've never heard of Wetzel pretzel? I we I guess we don't have them in the north. I've never heard oh, of them. Oh, yeah, you're before. from the north. I'm from, from up yonder. I, Florida doesn't count. As the South, <laughs> but like statistically it is. So yeah. all y'all Georgia people can be quiet. Um, and also North Carolina isn't the South. It has the word North in it. Anyways, uh. I'm from the South and we have this thing called Wetzel Pretzel. And it's like the big debate. It's like Chick-fil-A sandwich versus Popeye sandwich. Wetzel Pretzel versus Aunt Annie's. And Reagan, <laughs> you having never heard of Wetzel Pretzel is is good because it's not even worth your time. It's, yeah. They just like a bit. It's it's literally like bread with a little with like a little salt on it. Like go to the Walmart, buy a loaf of bread, put some salt on it. That's Wetzel Pretzel. Do yourself a favor. Go get some Auntie Ants. But here's the thing. I'm not I'm not in it for the salt on a pretzel. Like I'm in it for like the cinnamon sticks pretzels. Okay. It's like yep. whatever you they dip have. It in it's the, like, the, it's, the cream. Cream. No man. Yeah, I you just, dip it in like sweet cream. <laughs> What? What? It's not sour cream. What? Cream cheese. It's cream cheese, and you dip Bro, it in cream it is cheese. Not, it is. It is not cream cheese, dude. It's so good. So good. It, it you know is fire. I, but you know what I get at fire. Auntie Anne's? I get Stop the pretzel Aunt, dogs. Hold up. Hold up. Stop saying Auntie Anne's. It's Auntie. Stop enunci- enunciating every single vowel <laughs> of that word. It's Auntie Anne's. You say. You say yes. You say Auntie Anne's, but it's Annie Anne's. Aunt. Like Annie? No, Annie. Annie Anne's. Aunt. Aunt. But you, there's a T. No, 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 no. You're going Auntie hills Anne's and valleys. Pro- it's just. It's nuts. like Texas. It's a freeway. It's flat. How to pronounce Auntie Auntie Anne's? Stop. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play it. Okay. Okay. Stop, 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 Auntie stop, stop, stop. Anne's. Google my. My Spanish grade can attest that Google Translate doesn't work. So here's <laughs> here's what we're gonna do. If you if you agree that it's like, hey, it's Annie Ann's, send us an email. Put put a TikTok comment. Let us know. If you think it's Auntie Ann's, like a psychopath, um, you can also send an email. A-N-T-E-E-A-N-Z. Put a comment. T e e a n z. Auntie Ann's. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> well, um, hello everyone. My name is Victor. <laughs> And to welcome, oh wait, I'm a uh, student pastor in yeah, the state of North Carolina, which is in yeah, the north are. because Absolutely. it has the word north in it. And uh, Auntie Anne's is 
pronounced A-N-T-E-E-A-N-Z. Google it. Flawless, flawless transition, buddy. Um, I'm going to be my name. My name is Reagan Jones. I'm also a student pastor at a local church in North Carolina. And welcome to Sanctified-ish conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. Um, and Vic, I think last week we talked about identity um, yep. and who God has said we are and who we are. Out of that comes what we do. Um, and we had an episode way, 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 way back, like our second or third episode. episode. Two? Yeah, episode it was early. Two. Yeah. Um, titled I'm not lonely. You're lonely. If you have not checked that out, go check that out. Um, yep. it's actually, I think our most viewed episode. And I think that tells us one, a lot about our viewership. Y'all some lonely people. Um, <laughs> y'all alone. <laughs> it's, it's Sorry. Not the happiness one. It's not the happiness one. It's not the calling one. It's loneliness. That's our number one viewed one. Makes me feel um, real good. But here's, here's the thing. Like, I think we all struggle with loneliness. Like the, the premise of yeah. that episode was I'm a single student pastor. Vic is a married single or married, not married, single pastor. He's a married student pastor. He, yeah. Victor struggles with loneliness. I struggle with loneliness. A relationship is not the cure to loneliness. So yep. here's where we want to do today is coming out of that episode last week, talking about identity. I think so many of us have been hurt by loneliness that we have made loneliness our identity. Yep. We've made loneliness our home. And we're actually going to walk through a passage in the Bible in John 5 about a man at the pool of Bethesda who was on a mat for 38 years who yeah. made hurt a habit. And he got hurt a long time ago. And he lived his life in that hurt for 38 years. And man, I think a lot of us, we, we got hurt. Like we got passed over. A relationship ended. We never got married or maybe we're married and it's not what we thought it was. Whatever, whatever that is, we have now made loneliness our identity and we yeah. are walking forward and it is affecting our relationships. It's affecting our relationship to God. It's affecting our relationship with our spouse. It's affecting all of these different things because we have turned our hurt into a home. And I think we have to give this caveat kind of right out the gate. Um, and we may mention it multiple times because I just think this is really important for us to note is that in this, we are not trying to or intentionally diminishing your hurt, your experience, your pain, your loneliness. Yeah. Like we are coming into this knowing that everyone has unique circumstances are walking yeah. through unique situations, are dealing with different levels of pain and hurt and loneliness. And I feel like if we don't give this caveat, a lot of the language we may choose to use in this episode could initially feel offensive or as if we're attacking something. But I think yeah. what we really are trying to get across is that Man, where you have built the home, where we have built the home in our hurt is not where God wants us to stay. Like he yeah. is calling us to something bigger and better. That's what we're going to look at here in the text. But we want to yeah. make sure that we're clear, that we understand there are varying degrees of pain and hurt and potentially like really hurt people that could be yeah. listening to this podcast and we are by no means attempting to diminish or to devalue what you've 
gone through. Um, yeah. I just feel like that's an important thing to state up front. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, and, and I think even if you look at John five, like Jesus demonstrates that, um, yeah. where you see him approach multiple people in his hurt. Like he goes to that pool. The religious leaders did not go there. It was a Sabbath. No one was going to be there, but he went where the people seeking healing were. Yeah. And so like, I think you see his intentionality in approaching this man on the mat, but you also see him care for the people, like the crowd that he didn't heal. Like yeah. if you go and look at that passage, like John says, there's a multitude of invalids, the blind, the lame and the paralyzed. They only talk about one man, which means there's a whole bunch of crowd that Jesus did not acknowledge. He did not approach and he did not heal. And I think even to go off what Victor just said there, I think you may be sitting here this morning and be like, no, like I, I, I am lonely. I have been hurt. And I do feel like God healed my friend, but he didn't heal me. And I do feel like God sees my friend's hurt, but he doesn't see mine. And man, like I, I get that. There are things in my life right now where like I'm looking at my friends. I'm like, well, God clearly sees that hurt, but he doesn't see mine. Yeah. God has healed that hurt, but he hasn't healed mine. And those feelings can be true, but just because we feel them doesn't make them true. Yeah. And just because like, like scripture tells us what's true about God and not our feelings. Um, and so scripture just reminds us that he's like, he's near to us. He knows everything. Like Deuteronomy two, seven is my favorite passage in the whole Bible. It says like, he knows you're wandering through these 40 years. He sees everything. And in those 40 years, uh, the, God, the Lord, your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. So you may feel like God has overlooked you. He has moved past you. He knows everything. He draws near to you. And like, this is the one thing I'm learning is like Romans 8, uh, 832. If Jesus, if he would give his son to die for us, how much more would he not graciously give us all good things? Yeah. They're like, if Jesus, if God gave me Jesus at my worst, how much more would he not give me good things? So regardless of how we feel in the middle of our hurt, the Bible says that Jesus knows he draws near and he still gives you good things in the middle of your hurt. And I think those, like, those are places that we need to start from before we even talk about like, Hey, how do we move to a place of healing when we're, when we're in hurt? How do we move to a place of taking our identity from this place of loneliness to actually bringing it back to what we talked about last week, which is like, no, you are a son, you are a daughter. You have a value that cannot be taken away from you. Like you, you are not alone because the God of the universe has promised to be near to the brokenhearted and the crushing spirit that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Like loneliness is not your identity. If you are a son or a daughter of God. Um, and I think these are places that we need to start before we ever begin to move into that direction. One of my favorite passages is, is Psalm 51 near the end of it. David talks about how broken and contrite heart the Lord won't despise. Yeah. And it's like, man, the Lord in your pain and in your weakness and in your suffering sees and knows you weeps alongside you and is walking with you. And when we allow our feelings to drive the train, we miss it. Yeah. It's like if, if you picture a train that has three cars, the first car kind of like the engine is fact. It is what scripture has declared true. It is what we know is true about the Lord. And so what drives this train is fact. Yeah. And then right behind that is faith. Because we know what is true, we can have faith that it is actually true. 
And then the third car is feeling. But whenever we move feeling either to the middle or to the front or move facts to the back, whenever we try and rearrange those cars, we begin to miss it. Yeah. Because once we allow feeling to drive the train, then it's really we're allowing our experience and what we think and what we say and how we interpret and it, how we interpret different things and different experiences to drive the train yeah. rather than what God has declared true. And that's when we end up a place where we didn't think we wanted to go yeah. because we were driving. Well, and I think that's such an important distinction to make because I think we treat loneliness as a fact when loneliness is an emotion of a situation. When what we just talked about is like you look at yep. scripture. If you call yourself a follower of God and he says that you are a son, you are a daughter, that he is near to you and he will not forsake you. The fact that you call yourself lonely is not true scripturally. It, it, it yep. may be true in the sense that God has not brought the community that you want. It may be true in the sense that he has not brought the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the spouse that you want, or that marriage is not what you thought when you got into it. Cause like, as Vic talked about in the podcast last time, like there are lonely nights in marriage that's going to happen. But what he has is he has promised himself to you. That's the fact of scripture. The emotion that we see though is like, yes, I know God has promised himself to me, but I don't necessarily feel that. And I look to my left and my right and my friends have boyfriends, my friends have girlfriends, my friends have spouses and I don't. Yeah. And therefore I well, feel lonely. That's really good. And this is something that I think over the past couple of weeks, I've actually started really since our counseling episode with Madison. Yeah. I've started doing like these different counseling sessions throughout my day and have kind of like entered into this mental health routine. And one of the first things that I learned when starting this was how to how to define and how to explain or put into words the emotions that you're feeling. Yeah. And one of the first things I learned was is I don't say that I am lonely because that's stating it as a fact. Yeah. I say that I am experiencing loneliness. Yeah. Because that yeah. puts it into context as an emotion. And what it's allowed me to do is it's allowed me to begin to differentiate between what God has declared true over me. Yeah. And the temporal experiences and emotions that I'm feeling. And I've, I'm able to easily categorize them as that because I've started to shift my language. Yeah. And I think that's applicable to various areas in our life. But I think even that slight shift in the way that we explain loneliness is really key because it helps yeah. us move it from a fact or like a state of being to an emotion that we're experiencing. And that doesn't invalidate your loneliness no, in any way, shape or form. It just helps us put it into the proper category. Well, and that right there is like, I think even go back to our previous podcast we have is like the words have power. And so the things that you say about yourself become the rhythms of your life. So if I tell myself like, I am lonely, I am by myself. If that's the thing that's in my mind over and over and over, that's going to become the rhythm and habits of my life. But when yeah. I say like, Hey, I'm experiencing this, I'm being true with my emotions, but this is what I am. I am a son, I am a daughter, I cannot be forsaken, but I am experiencing the emotion of loneliness. There's a very big difference between acknowledging your emotions and letting them drive the train uh, as, as the analogy yeah. that you just used right there. And I think when we allow our emotions to drive that train, that's when hurt becomes a habit. 
that that's when this loneliness becomes a home for us. And I think there's this amazing illustration. Like, uh, I think the greatest movie of all time is Shawshank Redemption. Hands down, greatest movie of all time. And it's like it's like top five thousand. I would say, well, okay, it's I would say it's one of those movies like I won't watch th- like fifty times. I'll watch it once and be like, that's a great film, and I have no desire to watch it again. Um, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's like Shawshank yeah. is like fine wine. Like I know it's good, but I'm not going to drink it every day of the week. But I'm not going to pay ten thousand dollars to <laughs> drink it every night. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and there, there's this there's a scene in Shawshank where uh, Morgan Freeman he plays this inmate named Red, and like one day Red and a bunch of his friends are like sitting around the yard and they're talking about this guy named Brooks. And Brooks is this old dude who's been in prison for a long time, and he ended up getting released and struggled to adjust to the outside world. Um, and I think he actually committed suicide in the movie. I could be wrong about that. Um, but all of this happens and the inmates are talking about this in the yard one day and red looks up to the group and he says like, you know, these walls are funny. First you hate them. Then you get used to them. Enough time passes and you begin to depend on them. And he says, that's institutionalized. Hmm. And one of the inmates looks at the group and he says like, well, I could never get like that. And the group looks back at him and says, oh, yeah, say that when you've been here as long as Brooks has. And I think like that, that right there, so many of us have been telling ourselves, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. You have become so institutionalized in your hurt. So much so. That it's like, even if you want to go back to John 5, like when the healer walks into the room, he has to ask the man on the mat, do you even want to be healed? Yeah. Because this has become the dominant pattern. This has become the dominant life form. Our feelings have been driving the train for so long that when Jesus wants to say like, hey, I'm here. I'm here to provide this for you. He has to ask us, do we even want to be healed? And so many of us have spent more of so much of our lives like bitter, hateful, shameful, angry, lonely, telling ourselves this is what we are. That it's more comfortable to stay there than it is to actually walk in freedom. And we get comfortable there. Like we get like like we build habits of this. And we get comfortable there. It, it doesn't mean the situation is comfortable, but it yeah. means that we are less willing to break these habits because we've just gotten so used to them. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, like when we look at Jesus's life, like when when we, especially as he's approaching the cross, like try and try and see some of the emotions that Jesus experiences as he's approaching the cross and while he's on the cross one we want to talk about the loneliest person in human history talk about the son of god having the father the creator yeah. of the universe turn his back on him yep okay like the loneliness that jesus had to have felt and had to be experiencing in that moment far outweighs any loneliness that you and i would probably feel in this life yeah but also, we've talked about the Garden of Gethsemane a lot on this podcast, but there's just so much to learn from it. Like, Jesus takes his emotions to the Father. Yeah. Take this cup from me. Yeah. Jesus didn't want to do it. His emotions were screaming, God, if there was any other way, don't let me do it. Yeah. 
and God says no. And the critical moment for us in our life is that when God says no, we can take our emotions to Jesus. But when God says no, is our answer going to be like Jesus, not your, not my will, but your will be done? Or is our response going to be, well, I'm just not going to do it your way? Yeah. And I find it so interesting that Jesus was comfortable enough to take his emotions to the Father. And when we read Proverbs and Psalms and Job and Ecclesiastes and these books in the Bible that express deep sorrow from the writers, lamentations, like these authors are comfortable enough to take their deepest and darkest pain to God. Yeah. And it's like we in our hurt and in our pain should feel the freedom in Christ to bring that to the throne and to lay it before him. Yeah. And I think what Satan tempts us to is, well, God doesn't want to hear about your hurt. God doesn't want to hear about your pain. Yeah. He's got bigger and better things to do. He's got he's got missionaries to send. He's got he's got X, Y, and Z to fulfill and to accomplish. He doesn't care about your breakup. Yeah. He doesn't care about Bro, your sorrow. That's he real. doesn't care about your loneliness. And it's just not true. Yeah. But there have been so many times like I've been like ashamed to pray that sometimes. Where I'm like, Oh, I, I should be praying for my students. I should be praying for salvation. It's like I should be praying for these like better things, but like, no God, like I'm lonely today. Like, that's how I feel. This is where I'm at. And to not feel like that's a lesser prayer or a lesser thing to bring to him. Or um, a less mature thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to like, I feel like it's a lesser thing sometimes. Like, I I feel like I'm less mature when I bring that to God. But it's actually a mark of maturity to acknowledge your emotions, to bring them to God. And it's the mark of maturity to submit them. Um, yeah. I think that's submission and obey when we're talking about the garden, like that, that, that's the key there that Jesus brought his emotions, but he submitted them and he obeyed regardless if his emotions were met. Yep. Like regardless of, of how God responded to that, Jesus was going to be obedient to whatever he said. Um, and I think, man, like that's, that's the tricky part with this is that like you just said, Jesus is the only one that actually experienced factual loneliness and the sense of like yeah. the father turning his face away from him. So like, what does it look like practically for us to acknowledge, Hey, we're lonely. Um, whether it's relationally, whether it's in community, whether it's with a spouse, like what, what, what does it look like to acknowledge loneliness, but also what does it look like to submit that and obey that and walk in it, um, and move yeah. forward. I think the first step is, identifying the emotions that you're feeling loneliness or whatever else it might be. And it sounds really simple because some people may have a really easy time with this, but others may not, especially as life circumstances shift and change. Maybe seasons are changing. If you want to use a seminary terminology, maybe God is like transitioning you from one job to another. When things are changing, sometimes it's really difficult to identify the emotions you're feeling. And so the step one is to identify how you feel. And this is where, going back to our podcast with Madison, talking about why every Christian needs counseling, Mm. this is where that counselor can come really handy. Because 
that person can help you identify root emotions that are leading to the things that you're concluding. And so step one practically is you need to identify your emotions. Second is that you need to tag them for what they are. So going back to you're not lonely, you're experiencing loneliness, making those differentiations. Once you've identified your emotion and once you've tagged it for what it is, now we can submit it to Jesus because we know what we're submitting yeah. and we know what it is. Yeah. And so that's the point where we can say we can't submit it beforehand because we don't know what we're experiencing. So that's why we have to identify it. And I think I think a lot of Christians just don't know how to identify what they're feeling. And so they can actually never get to the point to where they submit it yeah, because they don't know what they're submitting. Well, and two things with that. One thing Vic has taught me a lot of is that like uh, the Bible says in Romans, the spirit intercedes on our behalf with groanings that are too deep for words. And so when we don't have words to put to what we feel, the spirit knows he draws near and he intercedes for us on our behalf. And he, he, he prays to God. Um, Second practical thing with that is I love emotions. I love feelings. And there's this really awesome feelings wheel. Um, it's color coordinated. It's fantastic. Like, I think we can probably put the the, the graphic in the in the show. Link. Yeah, I can. Um, it's very detailed, but it's so helpful. It's it's so helpful. So it basically it's like red, gray, uh, blue, yellow, purple, all these different things. And it's just like it says disgusted, angry, fearful, happy, sad, surprised. And like, those are your base colors. And out of that, there's like a different layer. So like if I start off with the base, the base emotion of anger, okay, am I let down? Am I humiliated? Am I mad? Am I frustrated? Am I distant? Am I critical? Like those all flow out of anger, but those are all various different forms. And so sometimes just saying like, Hey, I'm angry. Isn't enough. Sometimes you're saying like, I'm disappointed isn't enough. This is a helpful tool to help put words to how you feel because words have power and words yep. are a gift from God. So words can help give us a handle to grab to our emotions and come to God and be like, Hey Lord, I'm not just angry, but I'm a little disappointed that this happened. Um, I'm not angry that I'm by myself. I know that you're enough. I know that you're good. I know that you're sufficient. I'm just disappointed. Um, yeah. And like, that's a very different conversation than like, God, why am I still by myself? Why am I still hurting in this way? And so I think knowing that the spirit intercedes on your behalf, but also I think like use that wheel, print it out, yeah, like put it by your bedside table, put it on your desk. Like that's a helpful thing for you to identify and put words to how you feel and submit them to God. Another like really practical thing that I've started doing is I actually keep a mood chart. It sounds really weird. But each day I log how I feel. Am I feeling good? If I'm feeling good, what 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 is leading me to feel good? Why do I feel good? What has prompted me to feel good? Am I not feeling so good? Am I tired? Am I hurt? What's leading me to feel tired? What's leading me to feel hurt? And over the past couple of weeks, as I've started doing this, I have felt f- in a non-sinful way, far more in control yeah. of how I feel and why I feel the way I do. And that has allowed me to to walk into my time with Jesus. And, and when I pray, like I have tangible things yeah. that I can lift up to the Father. And it's like that feeling of freedom in that alone is huge. Yeah. And so 
I love how you kind of like broke down how words have power because when you are able to put language to how you're feeling, like I think a lot of our frustration is just because we can't put specific language to how we're feeling. But when you're able to do that and take those steps towards that, you actually start to feel like, oh man, like this is a little bit more manageable. And like God has equipped me with the resources to be able to submit this, to pursue after him and to and to chase after him while I'm dealing with this yeah. and it's going to cause me to look more like Jesus. Yeah. And you know, taking a step out of that, now you can view this as sanctification. Okay. Like I'm hurt, I'm experiencing this emotion. Yeah. I don't really know why, but I can put language to it. Man, what's the Lord trying to teach me? We're yeah. able to start taking more objective views at the circumstances that we're going through. And that at least helps me surrender them to Jesus. Yeah. Um, because I'm not letting my feelings drive the train. I'm letting the fact that I know Jesus is who he says he is and my faith that I believe and trust in everything that he said and declared to drive how I feel. Yeah. Well, and it's a game changer. And that's the process of healing that I think, like you said this earlier, is it like we want to acknowledge these things, but Jesus doesn't desire to leave you there. Like he doesn't desire to leave you in your hurt, even if we've made loneliness a home. Um, and so I, I think like even going back to John five here for a second, I think this is a good way to kind of touch on what you just said. That like, hey, receive that healing. Jesus comes up, heals this man, tells him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And the Bible says that he got up and he walked and he had been down on that mat for 38 years. And I think here's the thing that like even what Victor is saying right there is like at some point, like what Jesus has said of you has to be of top priority over what we feel. That like there comes a point of submission and obedience where it's like I might feel lonely and I might like have gotten comfortable in my loneliness. I might be a little stubborn in my loneliness. But what Jesus has said up me, when he says, get up, take up your bed and walk, you can walk, you are healed. This man gets up and he walks. And there's a very big difference between receiving healing and walking in it. Um, and I think that's where submission gets very practical. That's where obedience gets very practical. And so I want to touch on that. I know we're, we're running out of time here in a little bit, but I want to touch on that a little bit, Vic. Like, what does it look like to actually walk this out? If we have made loneliness our identity, how do we actually walk in a new identity? How do we walk in what Jesus has said of us when there's still very real hurt? Like the hurt hasn't gone away. Either the relationship with the spouse is still weird, still don't have that boyfriend, still don't have that girlfriend, still don't have that community. The the feeling of of loneliness hasn't gone anywhere. But how do I walk in what Jesus has said of me? I think, you know, at least when I've experienced loneliness and, you know, even in seasons now where I've walked through this, I, the first thing I give up when I'm feeling lonely when I'm feeling desperate, when I'm feeling hopeless, like when I'm experiencing these things is my time with the Lord. Like when I'm experiencing those emotions, I don't want to be reminded of the truth. A lot of times, like I don't want to spend time with Jesus. That's not my natural inclination. And so that's kind of the first thing I give up. And I think that's true for a lot of people. And so when you've identified this loneliness, it's in the right car of the train it's following fact, faith, feeling. It's time to to almost kind of like get back to basics. Like it's 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 time to start relearning 
a lot of the things that you've kind of given up when you've experienced this emotion are are dealing with hurt. And that means like, man, getting back into the word, prayer, spending time with Jesus, praying the word back to God, journaling has been huge. Reagan and I are verbal processors. We'll sit on the phone, talk for two hours and be like, oh, dang, it's been two hours. Like getting back to a lot of these healthy fundamentals will really help to start kickstart you into kind of like maybe not fixing the loneliness, but categorizing it properly, then allowing God to sanctify you in and through it. Yeah. Um, and so that's been something that's worked for me. But Reagan, outside of like getting back to basics in the Christian kind of like walk, what would be something that you'd say? Yeah, I, I think the lie in all of this is that the emotion of loneliness is going to go away. Um, it may not. It, probably, it may never. It, it probably won't. Like marriage doesn't fix it. Um, honestly, really awesome community doesn't fix it. Like... That, 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 that emotion that you feel may not go anywhere. Um, I actually preached on this recently. Like, like the way you see it in John 5 is just a simple faith. Like if you were like Vic just talks about basics right there. It's a simple faith that says the things that God has spoken of me, they are true and they are going to affect my life here and now. Like yeah. even like if you look at that passage, like that man had been there for 38 years. He probably forgot how to walk. Like, you don't think there was doubt and fear and question when Jesus says, get up, take up your bed and walk. But that man, when he hears Jesus say those words, one, he has to know the words that Jesus has spoken over him. So like, as Nick just said, if you're not in the word, if you don't know what Jesus has spoken over you, you can't walk in it. And so it's like, at some point he has to hear those words, receive those words. And then he has to have enough faith to be like, you know what? Jesus has said that of me. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to walk. And I think there has to come a point where it's just a point of simple faith where it's like, when I know the Lord has promised to be near to the broken heart and the crushing spirit, when I know like Deuteronomy 2, 7, he knows you're going through this wilderness. He sees everything in this time. You, the Lord, your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. Yeah. When I know that and I hear that and I see that now I have to make the choice of like, I'm going to have the faith to now walk in this and let my life be affected by that now. Yeah. And that's a daily process and that's a daily submission. It's not a snap your fingers and the next 20 years of your life are loneliness free, but that is every day choosing. All right. I feel this and it hasn't gone away. What am I going to submit my life to? And what am I going to walk to going forward? If, God clothes the fields of lilies. If he feeds the birds that fly through the air, like who is he? Who are we to worry about tomorrow? And who is he to leave us out to dry? Yeah. Like God even cares for what we would consider to be the smallest of his creation. And if he cares so much to take care of the smallest of his creation, then he will take care of the pinnacle of his creation. That is the Imago Dei, you and yeah. me. Um, and so those words may feel flat and they may hit empty and they may not fix the way that you feel, but that doesn't make them not true. But we yeah. have to view it through that lens 
because the fact that they don't feel true doesn't really matter because they are true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's man. Feelings are a tough one. Emotions are tough. Emotion. Like the thing that we just have to remember is that emotions are good. Like God gave us emotions for a reason. God has emotions. God has emotions. Jesus has emotions. Like they are a good thing. They help us. They're tools for us, but because of sin, man, they are also so, so incredibly deceptive. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, we got to surrender ourselves to Jesus, allow the spirit to renew our mind, offer ourselves as living sacrifice and chase after him. Yeah. Um, I think that's a daily, daily thing. One thing we've said on the podcast a couple of times, but it's that your emotions are great gifts, but they make terrible guides. And I think that's the thing, like going back to Vic's train analogy there. It's like your emotions are wonderful gifts. Feel them, feel them deeply, have a good cry, but they make terrible guides for your life. And so you might feel that like this loneliness is your identity right now. That is not what God has spoken over you. That is not what he has said over you. And so it's now time for you to get up and take up your bed and now walk in what he has actually said of you. Boom. 41 minutes in again podcast over feel, time flies <laughs> what, what is the time flies when you're having fun when um, you're talking, talking about loneliness and loneliness <laughs> um yeah podcast over yeah <laughs> Done. i should just cut it there cut um y'all if you have any thoughts any comments any concerns anything that you just want to talk about if send you're us lonely. an email sanctified ish if you're lonely and need to someone to you. talk to yeah. <laughs> um well i don't want to make any pro i got stuff to do yeah. okay this yeah. <laughs> they okay this is not making light of loneliness but <laughs> they have like this app that you can download and it's like an ai chat bot and it will talk to it's kind of scary it's a very scary thing that like a fake thing will talk to you but make it feel like a person can you send it to me uh, <laughs> yeah yeah once we, once we finish up here once we finish up go, 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 go. um <laughs> if you guys want to hit us up please do we'd love to talk to you you can also find us on tiktok at sanctified dash ish you can check out my channel rots of 157 you can check out reagan's channel at reagan jones 97 he's going to be preaching here uh this weekend so he'll have a 500 new uh tiktoks to post to his channel um and so you'll be able to watch the whole sermon over there at rega jones 97 um guys we're thankful for you episode 22 it's crazy that's like almost half a year and so thank you guys for sticking with us this for this long and um we're super pumped to see where this thing goes we say it every episode we mean it more and more each and every time until next time take care and god bless that chat uh app (laughs) it's called i think it's called uh it's called google you know like when old people ask google they're like can you please show me where the nearest restaurant is in the town of tampa florida thank you enter and they say like please and thank you with google you ever seen that no Oh, it's called, if, if you want to know the app, it's called, it's called Replica, but it's very scary. I'm going to write that it's down. Very scary. <laughs> with a K. Replica with a K. Podcast. Over.